We're in a, in a series called uh, The Not-So-Basic Basics based upon uh, one of the greatest sermons ever told uh, by Jesus to his disciples uh, called the Beatitudes. Uh, Beatitudes. It's the, it's the way in which, the attitude in which we should live in this life. Not very many churches do sermon series on this, we discovered, uh, mainly because uh, once you teach on it, you have to live it out, apparently. And, and so we, uh, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it, it seems basic, but it's really hard to, to live out in our lives. And I just want to uh, greet everyone that's watching online. Uh, glad to have you guys back with us after your announcements, and uh, your online pastor will take care of you. This is the new world we live in, right, where I have to greet you guys, and then I got to greet these guys, and, uh, and, and yet half of our church, maybe probably more than that, uh, is watching online this morning, and so we're grateful for you guys here, but we're also grateful for you that are watching online. Well, this morning we've got uh, a really great treat for you. Uh, at LifeHouse, we believe in investing in the next generation, and uh, we have a ministry here called NextGen uh, that's 18 to, or no, 12 to 24, uh, right? 12 to 24? I got my numbers right? All right. Uh, obviously, I don't go because I am old. Uh, 12 to 24, and, uh, and we just believe in empowering, investing, and equipping our young people uh, to take the gospel message of Jesus into the world that they live in. Uh, and so this morning, we have the privilege of having four of our next-gen communicators uh, come and share with you the message today on the beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be filled. And so I want to introduce you to our communicators this morning. We've got Rachel, we've got uh, Gabe, we've got Serena, and we've got Dakota. Why don't you guys give them a round of applause? They've each prepared a 30-minute message for you this morning, and so we're going to be here for, no, uh, the, the rules of engagement for this was that they got eight minutes. Uh, if they don't take the full eight minutes, then the next person can take their extra minutes, uh, and, uh, and so we're going to see how this goes. But first service went well. Uh, they, there was no heresy, no, like they, the, like they, com they brought the word. And, uh, honestly, as I got to listen to them in first service, my, uh, I got a little tear came down my face, uh, because it, there's just something about, uh, the hope that comes when we see the next generation leading, right? Leading the way in the gospel. And so, uh, first up this morning is Serena Godin. Serena, why don't you come? and share with us and introduce to us this beatitude. Well, today we're going to read Matthew 5, 6, and it says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So first off, what is righteousness? I mean, it says we should hunger and thirst for it, but um, I don't think we can hunger and thirst for something we don't understand. So... Righteousness is having an integrity and virtue. And integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles so that you are whole and undivided. So why does righteous living leave us feeling whole? Well, righteousness is coming into alignment with what God has declared we are created for. Righteousness is when a person is in the state of what they were meant to be. So that's righteousness. 
is what we were created for. We were created to live in that, to live lined up with God's heart. And what does hungering and thirsting look like? So now that we've talked about righteousness, what is hungering and thirsting? Well, it can look a lot of different ways. For me, hungering and thirsting and aligning with God's heart is often displayed through singing praises. And declaring who God is and making him my focus reminds me that it's not all about me and my problems and my negative thoughts, that God is bigger and better than any of those things consuming and taking over my mind. And <laughs> trust me, getting on stage, whether it's speaking or singing, is not easy for me. I do not like the spotlight at all. <laughs> it's nerve-wracking, but I do it to glorify God, and it's really not about me. I don't like, I don't like this at all. <laughs> Um, but I love praising him because it's exactly what we're talking about today is hungering and thirsting for, for him. And we get, we get to know his heart when we're doing that. The action of hungering and thirsting for righteousness really can look a lot of different ways because it starts with a heart of surrender. So when we surrender our will for his way, he keeps his promise to fill us. God blesses the, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. His promise is that we'll be fully satisfied. And the reason it's fulfilling is because it's the way we were created to function. So if we were created to function aligned with the heart of God, then there's no substituting that. There's no substituting that. We can try to substitute it, but it won't fully satisfy us. That's what I have to say. Good morning, everyone. My name is Dakota. Um, I come from one of the smallest towns uh, in the Northwest that I've ever seen. Um, I, I come to you today to share my story of transformation. Um, unlike Serena, I, I could spend a lot more time telling you this story, um, but I have eight minutes to do so. This story of transformation um, engulfs my testimony in, in every, every day and, and those things, activities, and everything that's come up to this point right now. Um, I came to Christ in July of 2016. Um, after, after I've come to Christ, I, I had a lack of community. I had a lack of, of guidance in my life. There were, there were things that I, that I was not thirsting for. I was not, I was not searching for. I wasn't in the word. I wasn't, um, I, you know, we, we have this idea of what a Christian might look like, but it, and we talk about hunger and, and thirst for righteousness. Those are things that I was not doing. Um, through all of that, I had, I had failed to the world. Um, I, I had started involving myself in harmful activities, substance abuse, um, developing just, just harmful um, addictions for myself. 
and, and I was blind to those things. Through all this, it starts to wear on you. You know, we, I know Pastor Paul and Pastor Ryan have talked both about um, this saying that Texans have of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Um, that, that's, so that's what I tried to do. I, I enlisted in the military because I, I was at a low point in my life. And I, I felt like if there was something that I could do to make myself look better, if there was something that I could do to make my family appreciate me more, to, to buy their, their love and affection for me and to make them proud, then, then that might fulfill me. That might, that might satisfy that thirst for love. That might satisfy my, my hunger for, for righteousness. And, and all those things that the world tells you is, is what you're supposed to do. Um, when, you're in, when you're in boot camp, you get stripped down. And that, that was a lot of what I was looking to do, was to be stripped down and start over. So while some people might have a traumatic experience, boot camp was really peaceful for me. It was a time in which... I was able to remove all the things in which I had associated with before. And, and you don't have a choice on whether, you know, you want to go do something that you're not supposed to. You're stuck in a place. This place was Oklahoma for me, which was really sad. <laughs> um, but it, it was reviving. I felt revived. With this, with this new sense of revival, I... I went on to San Angelo, which is, you know, for most of you, if you know, it's about a three-hour drive, short drive from here. Um, and and I, had, I had taken those things that were stripped away from me. I had taken those things that, that were removed from my life, and I, I wanted to start with a new beginning. Um, unfortunately, when you are dropped off at your, your permanent duty station, which mine is San Antonio, you're given a lot of freedom. And I think we all know that, that when people aren't accounted for, when, when people are given freedom and we're trying to live life for ourselves, there's, there's a lot of terrors that go on. There are a lot of, a lot of things that we apply ourselves to that might not be fruitful for, for ourselves, that might be, might be harmful to us and those people who are around us who you know, spend, we spend time in relationship with. Um, through all of that, there was that, that sense of, of needing something again. There was that sense that, that I was lacking, and I, and I just couldn't understand it. You know, it's kind of like the, you know, a friend comes to you, and, and there, there's a video that I, I love to refer to. It's called the nail on the head video. And if you guys haven't seen it, you should really go watch it because it'll bring some joy to your day at, at, the, at the bare minimum. But it's this lady who has a nail in her head and her significant other sitting next to her and she's just talking about the pain of the nail. And he's like, okay, all right, well, you got a nail in your head. And she's like, you never listen to me. And so it's the struggle of the people who we care about telling them, hey, you're not doing the right things, or you got something that's, you know, you got a thorn in your foot. If you take the thorn out, the pain will go away. Well, I, I wasn't open to receiving wisdom. I wasn't open to, to having that spoken into my heart. And, and at the end of the day, it was, it was to my own detriment. It was to my own failures, you know, everything that had led up to that time. Um, sort of the last, the last straw in, in all of these harmful activities was, my, my mother was invited to a, a wedding in New Orleans. 
And New Orleans is a 12-hour drive from San Antonio, if you guys didn't know. And uh, on top of all the things that I was doing that were wrong, I, I, I thought, New Orleans sounds really fun. <laughs> so I accepted her invitation, and I, I drove to New Orleans, and, and I, I shared this with First Service. There was actually a, a Sunday, I believe I left um, the, the day after, where there was a, a woman who who, uh, you know, had conversations with, and she's like, what are you doing? You know, how's this week look for you? And, well, I'm going to New Orleans, and she's like, oh, okay. I, uh, you know, I hope, I hope every, you know, I hope you're doing good things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Totally understanding what I was about to get myself into and, and openly, you know, not, not really fighting it off too hard. Now, New Orleans was a long, painful trip for me. Um... There, there were times in which I, I was able to sit and kind of, kind of really self-evaluate. And then when those times, you know, arose, I would drown them in, a, you know, substance. It got to the point where, where me and my mother, and, and not to talk bad about my parents, I love them both, but there's been some hurt, there's been some, some you know, some dividend, or some some craters, I would say, in, in those relationships. I, my father, you know, the, my biological father um, and her split up when I was five, and then she remarried to the, the man I called dad, and then they split up. And, and I never had that feeling of, of true love, you know, for, for a father. I, I never quite understood it, because by the time I was five, you know, you're, you're five. What do you, I mean, not that you don't know anything, but you don't pay attention to a lot. Um, and then through my high school years, I was off running around doing my own thing, but my dad never had that true, I, I never felt that true sense of love. Um, and so it's three o'clock in the morning, me and my mom are having a shouting match, and I finally, I feel like the Lord finally revealed um, the root of my issue, the root of, of everything that I had been digging myself you know, in the in the wrong directions, I had been I had been scooping up dirt and replacing it with with things that weren't healthy for me, and it was leaving bigger holes in my life than I, than I could have even imagined. But it, in this moment at three o'clock, while while I'm, um, we'll just say, well, I'm a well-oiled machine as far as lubrication goes. Um, I feel like the Lord revealed to me. And, and this is what I told my mother as she's um, kind of calling me a hypocrite in the, in the most loving way a mom can. can. She's saying, Dakota, you can't, you can't do all of these things that you're, you're doing and say that you're this person. It doesn't work. And I would love to say that I, I received that with open arms and I wasn't offended, but it hurt. It hit me hard. And I, and I feel like, you know, when we're attacked by somebody that we're close with, whether it's for our benefit or not, we don't receive it well the first time now once she said that she said Dakota essentially what she was saying is Dakota you're you're sinning right and and she's she's not a a believer but she she's saying you're sinning but you're you're claiming being a follower of Christ that doesn't work and and that's that's not exactly correct right just because we're followers just because we're saved doesn't mean we're perfect but at the end of the day, I was, I was openly going against what the Lord had to say in my life. And, 
I figured as long as I, you know, closed my ears, as long as I didn't look at the Lord, that, that my ignorance would save me from the destruction that I was leading myself on the path of. Now, the, the line was, I finally found a father who loves me. And at three in the morning, while me and my mom are having a heated argument, shouting match, we both started bawling. It was a huge moment as to where the Lord opened my eyes through all the things that everyone else didn't have the ability to reach my heart and he softened my heart for that one moment and said, Dakota, you have a father who loves you. And it hurt. It hurt bad. We, we, we started bawling. We, we hugged. We, we had this sense of reconciliation and she, she finally understood, not that it's justified, my actions that went behind all the destruction that I, that I had, had been involving myself in. Now, the next morning, I was, I was sent to, to head back to San Antonio, and, and as I did so, um, I, I was bowling and worship and everything, but I was in the process of buying a home, and when I got back here, um, Pastor Paul and, and Pastor Alicia, Alicia who, who run the Next Gen, you know, we, we had a conversation that said, Dakota, what do you want your house to be like? How do you, are you going to invite sin into your house? And, and so I had to draw that line then and there, and it was hard, so hard to do. I was, I was, at, it was at the risk of losing roommates who were going to be paying rent, financial, but the Lord had brought me, I, the Lord had shown me how low that I was, and I was able to release everything from there. Um, so after all of that, after all that pain, after all that, that imperfection and and everything, we were able to start building a house that was on mission. Everyone who, who, who was invited into the home, you know, if we accept the Lord as our, our provision, then our homes are the Lord's and this, this house is the Lord's, this house, everyone who is invited into this house, that there's something that we all need we all need transformation in. And when you want to be transformed, there's something wrong, right? And it's hard for us to say that. But when we admit that there's something wrong, and that doesn't have to be the same thing as for me, for substance and, and every other addiction that I was, I was stuck on. But there's that transformation and that saying, hey, I'm doing this wrong. And, and now everyone in the house understands that we do life together. And that's the same, the same way that that the Lord's church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be doing life together. When, when one of us falls, we all fall. When, when one of us triumphs, we all triumph. That's why, you know, some people are down. The ones who are up, bring them back up. Um, and lastly, I just want to say that I, I've tasted both sides of this life. I've tasted the world, and I've, I've tasted the righteousness of Jesus. And it is so much more fulfilling and what this world has to offer. Hello, my name oh. Hello, my name is Gabriel Moore. I'm the summer intern here. I'm just going to dive right in. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. In my life, there is there is no substitute for righteousness. In my life, I put relationship, I put connections above all. 
I, deep down, I wanted to feel loved. I wanted to feel needed. I wanted to prove myself because people looked down on me because of my age, my appearance, my financial status, my height, my parents. I was hungry and thirsty for relationship and connection, and I was never satisfied with that. My soul was so empty. It was so craving for love from others. It was so craving for appreciation from others. Nothing was filling my pain. About two years ago, my parents decided to move our family to Honolulu, Hawaii. As a whole family, we were going into the unknown. We were stepping out by faith. At that time, my relationship with Jesus was not secure. My identity was not secure. I was struggling to find, like, I was just struggling to fill my empty, pain, my empty, soul, empty soul. So see, three weeks ago, we went to a camp, our next-gen group, and one of the pastors gave this analogy. If this relationship isn't aligned, if this relationship with Jesus, if I'm not aligned with Jesus, then none of these relationships here will be fruitful. They won't be life-giving. They won't be reliable. They'll be, they'll be more consuming. So transitioning to Hawaii was super difficult for me. I didn't know myself. I didn't know the importance of following Christ. I just knew that my parents, I was just following my parents around. I was just being dragged to Hawaii. I did not feel them in my pain. I didn't feel them in my struggles. At night, I would come home from the beach and running track and going to the movies. And I just break down crying like, where are you? Why is my soul so empty? Why am I feeling these, this pain? Why am I not connected? Like, I was so hurt. I didn't feel them. It was like the silent treatment. I longed for a relationship this way. And it wasn't, I wasn't focusing this way because I wasn't getting the satisfaction this way because he was blocking me. I felt like he was blocking me out. I was so anger, angry and bitter. So this way, I was going for it. I was going for this way. On the outside, it looked like I was loved. I had friends. I were, pretty much a lot of people knew me. I ran track. I was varsity. And the, but in the inside, I was abandoned. I was rejected. It felt like I was kicked to the curb. I was being dragged around by my parents, going to church, head, my, head down, not doing anything. So it was super hard for me. I wasn't hungry for righteousness, but I was hungry for the appreciation, the relationships, the connections, the friendships. It's interesting that what I got, what I got was friendships, connections. I thought I was loved. I got love from people. But it's interesting, it didn't satisfy my soul. It didn't satisfy my hunger that I was craving for. Seven months into Hawaii, we moved to, me and my family moved to Anthem, Arizona. It was my senior year. I was in, it was my senior year in Arizona, and I was so torn and so rejected. I had all this pain in me, and I couldn't, it was just so hard. So I put this barrier up saying, you can have this, this, you can have this in me, but you can't have any more of me. You can know I run track. I love I love hanging out. I'll I'll play some ultimate frisbee with you guys, but that's all you get. You don't get to know anything else about me because I'm so torn. I didn't want people into my life because I put this I put this barrier up so people wouldn't get into my life and I could share my pain because I feel like they would tear me apart later on. They would use it against me. So I isolated myself. It was my choice. I was I felt stuck. I was so torn. I didn't want to feel the pain of rejection. I chose to sit in my bitterness. I chose to sit in my filth. I chose to sit in my anger. I felt so stuck. I was ashamed. And Jesus was waiting with his arms wide open. He's, he's inviting us, and I was saying no to that. It took one year 
for me to finally say, not my will, but your will be done in my life. I knew the promises he had over my life. I just, I couldn't believe it because all these lies, all this, this barrier blocking me from everyone, I put that up, but I was hearing these lies. Oh, you're not, you're not going to do it. You're not, you're not good enough. You need to prove yourself more. You're not worth it. And I was just, all these lies were getting in my head, but it finally took a year for me to finally say, you know what? I'm done. I'm going after Jesus. I signed up for this winter camp this past December in 2019. It was the last day, and I said, I'm going to go for it. I'm gonna, since I'm paying for this, I'm just going to put myself out there, see what Jesus does, because I haven't felt his word. I haven't, felt, I haven't heard him. I haven't seen him. I haven't felt his presence, so I just went for it. Oh, my. Like, that weekend rerouted my mind and my heart to his promise. He's, I, was, I was crying out to God at night in Hawaii. I was asking all these questions. I was shoving it in his head, in his face, but it wasn't, I wasn't listening. I had a bitter heart. My heart was hardened. It wasn't working. I wasn't getting the satisfaction. But God, God started speaking truth and identity into me. He said, he is, he is the ultimate rerouter. He, I went from here to here. God, I was choosing this, but then I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to listen to the lies. I'm not going to listen to my pain. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go from here. And God said, you're here now. You're living for me now. And I'm going to... and." My faith, I was just, I was trying to press in. I was just trying to lean in for, for what he wanted for me. I let my guard down. And it was hard. But once I did, he said, Gabriel, you are loved. That was the one thing I wanted. Gabriel, I have a plan for your life. Gabriel, go into the world and serve others. Be a servant leader. Proclaim his name to this generation so that there may be hope. And hope, that's what we need. We need some hope right now. Let's get fired up. It satisfied my soul. It filled my soul with compassion for others. It says in Psalms 23, verse 3, he restores my soul. He guides me on paths of righteousness. He guides me on paths of righteousness. He has not stopped guiding me, and he will never stop. When I was feeling down in my life, and when I was at the lowest part of my life, lonely, isolated, he was with me. I just couldn't hear him because my heart was, I was putting this up. But I know my God is gonna, not going to turn his back on me. There might be more low points in my life, and there's going to be high points in my life. But I know during those low points, he's going to be there. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I went from here to here, and he rerouted my life. Ultimate rerouter. I knew I had to come to San Antonio. I knew it. I, I signed up for this internship, and I went for it. And I said, God, I'm going to be fully present here. He blessed my relationships, and they are fruitful. I was, I was trying to, I was aligning my, my relationship with Jesus. I was, I was building, I was like, God, I'm going to put you first. I was building this relationship, so these relationships here would be fruitful. They'll be life-giving. They'll, they'll prosper. And that's what's going on here. We are not, cons- here in San Antonio, the relationships I've built, I used to be consuming because I was so hurt, my soul was empty, I was trying to grab, I was trying to use people, trying to consume them, and it was like, it kind of satisfied my soul, but it didn't, when I got here, like, things started to click, we're not, we're not consuming one another, we're life-giving, we're encouraging, we're sharpening each other up for the good work, Jesus is faithful, we got to remain faithful, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. 
this morning I was praying, and I just felt like I wanted to say this. Um, I just want to pray, God, for those that feel like their soul is empty and they need you, I pray that you'd stir up a fire in them, stir up those winds, God. Get, get them hungry and thirsty for your righteousness so that there could be a transformation in San Antonio. Lifehouse is here on a mission. Here on a mission. Wherever we are, we go to work, we go to school, we go to church. God, we will be encouraging one another so we can go out and do the good work. We need you, Jesus. Thank you. Hi, friends. Good to be with you today. I'm just getting my notes turned up. All right. I have a very important question for everyone here today. Who here enjoys soda? Just this this group? No one else? Just me? Okay. I'm glad it's not just me. I always ask because my brother actually doesn't like soda. And it, it weirds me out. So I just wanted to, like, make sure that we're all kind of sort of on the same page. But you know what I enjoy almost more than soda? And this is, you're, you're going to think I'm really weird for this, too, is, like, the commercial marketing slogans that go along with the soda. Just because it makes it feel, like, warm and fuzzy inside. It's like a neck, it, like, enhances the experience of enjoying the soda. You're just like, I'm not just enjoying the soda. It's, like, the over-encompassing-ness. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. You, someone's like, what on earth is she talking about? Um, but one of my favorite sodas is Sprite. Because for me, it just reminds me of my childhood. It's very nostalgic. And Sprite's main slogan used to be, quench your thirst. Which is interesting. Because Sprite doesn't actually quench your thirst. It doesn't. Um, it will actually satisfy a secondary craving that we have for sugar and not our actual physical thirst. Only water can quench the thirst that we have physically. Likewise, there's only one solution to satisfying our hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that's righteousness. We might try and fill ourselves with, with what we think might be righteous, or with things that, might, that we think might get us to righteousness. But it won't actually satisfy that hunger and thirsting that we have. Instead of satisfying our actual hunger and thirst. We satisfy our secondary craving. And that secondary craving may not inherently sound like a bad thing. But when I try and satisfy my hunger and thirst with that secondary craving, it's not going to last me very long. Like, you can only have so many sprites, right? <laughs> these things aren't inherently bad. I don't think sprite is the devil. Um, these, things, <laughs> these things aren't inherently bad. <laughs> Serving in church is not inherently bad. Serving people, loving, like, serving is good. Church is good. And I can try to satisfy my hunger and thirst with that. Not bad. And while these things, these actions might come out of a righteous heart, they will not lead to a righteous heart. Sometimes I think in my life, I think my life will sometimes reflect this false statement. 
blessed is Rachel because she fulfills her own hunger and thirsting with her own morally good activities. And honestly, I think that's how I've lived good portions of my life because I have, 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 had, have had a secondary craving for the approval for, of other people, which my parents are pastors. I grew up in church in the world that I grew up around. It can like looking for the approval of others can look like serving others so that I gain their approval, going to church. So I look a little extra spiritual saying the right things at the right time to make it look like I have it all together because I want you to think, wow, look at Rachel. Look what a great person she has. She is. Look at all the super awesome things that she does. But my own religious activity is not righteousness. And so multiple times in my life, I just find myself in these seasons where I'm just doing things, lots of things. And these aren't inherently bad things. Playing on worship teams, serving at church, going to Bible college, leading mission trips, all things. But my, li- I, my life had no margins. I just filled it with doing things. And so I had no space to just be with Jesus. What started out as some doing things with decent intentions kind of put me out in left field. I was depleted, tired, and kind of on empty. Because giving into my secondary craving didn't quench my thirst. It didn't satisfy me. I tried to come up with um, a couple more car analogies, but unfortunately I'm not a car person. I really tried hard to be, but I'm just not. But this is the one thing I do know, is cars run on gas. Yes, I know that. Um, but even when the car runs on, like, like, there's cars that run on electric and there's a cars that run on diesel, but it's not a replacement for gas. It runs on electric because it's built to run on electric. It runs on diesel because it's built to run on diesel. You can't, it's, it can only go on what it's meant, what it was built to run on. So as human beings, we're built, we're created to run on one thing, to be connected to the presence of the Lord. Anything else won't work. Because we're not wired for that. We're not built for that. We're not meant that for that. We're, we aren't wired to be filled by things of our own making. Reminded of Jesus' interaction with Mary and Martha in Luke 10, which I'm going to read it. And as Jesus' disciples were on their way, he came to a village where there was a woman named Martha. And she opened up her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, why don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to come help me. Martha, Martha, Jesus said, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed, only one thing. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So many times in my life, I have realized that I am Martha in this story. 
And sometimes I've tricked myself into thinking I'm being Mary by being Martha. Because Martha was doing all the right things. The preparations that she was working on weren't inherently bad things, but these things were a distraction for her. And if I read into this story a little bit, perhaps she was also seeking approval. So Jesus tells Martha, Martha, you're doing so many things. You are worried about so many things. But there was only one thing. Only one thing is needed. Because there is no substitute for what Jesus can provide. There is no substitute for intimacy with Jesus and relationship with God. My own actions are not substitute for that. I've tried to run my life, filling it with this secondary craving. And so I live on a partially filled tank, filled with service to others and church activity, thinking that if I just do more, if I just do more, if I just do more, I'll make it. And I'll tell you, it only takes you so far. Because it's not the one thing that I need. Because our hunger and thirst for righteousness can only be satisfied by righteousness. In John 4, Jesus says, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. We actually quench our thirst. When we are filled with the things of the Lord and not actions of our own doing, that's when we find ourselves truly satisfied and filled. Thank you.